Hello, this is Reverend Judith Laxer. Thank you for listening to the 22nd anniversary service in Gaia's Temple on this podcast entitled Crossing the Threshold. My wish is that the food for thought offered nourishes your soul. Dear listeners, since the pandemic began, we have been live streaming our services on our YouTube channel. The Board of Directors for Gaia's Temple is wondering if continuing the audio-only podcast is still necessary. We need to know if you would be able or just as likely to watch the service or just listen to the audio of it over YouTube. This might not be easily available in some countries, so please reach out to us via the contact page on our website and let us know what you think. Shall we continue these audio-only podcasts, or shall we stop them and have our audience listen to it through our YouTube channel? We would love to have your import. So please, thanks so much in advance for reaching out to let us know your preferences. As always, the Guy's Temple Ministry is sustained by generous donations such as yours, and we need your financial support. If everyone donated just $3 each time they tune in to listen and receive the service, that reciprocity would ensure our continuance. If you feel served by listening and wish to donate to help support our ministry, please push the donate button now and give generously. We'd be most grateful. Thank you, and blessed be. Well, we would be remiss if we didn't take a moment to acknowledge that although this is the joyous 22nd anniversary of Gaia's Temple, it is also the very sad anniversary, 21st anniversary of 9-11. That seminal moment, that deep tragedy that took 2,977 lives and injured more than 6,000. We can always look back and find seminal moments when life changes and 9-11 was surely one of them. It's good to reflect back for insight and to come to the awareness that to know that whatever happens in any given moment, it didn't happen out of nowhere, right? A lot is happening that we don't see, that we don't recognize, that we don't know, and it seems sudden, uh, but it's really been roiling. And when something has been roiling long enough and when it has gotten hot enough, it seems to explode on the scene when it comes to the surface. So I'd like us to take a moment of silence now in honor of those who lost their lives on that fateful day and the families of those whose deep loss is still abiding. Let's hold them all in our loving hearts and silently offer our blessing to the souls that crossed over that day and as much solace as we can muster to those that they left behind. Blessed be. Well, my friends, as you know, if you have been uh, attending Guy's Temple this year, I have been teaching the principles of revolutionary love. Valerie Kaur, K-A-U-R. Her work is called Revolutionary Love. And uh, there are nine core principles of revolutionary love, and she has them on a compass. So let's go to the compass as we have been doing all this year. And uh, Mario will bring that up for us and we can take a look at it and see where we have come and where we are today. So on the upper left-hand side of that compass, um, we first learn to love others by seeing no stranger. And we started from the center by first getting in touch with our wonder and then our grief and grieving. And then we learned how to fight correctly for what it is that we want, rather than fighting against what we don't. That was the first third of the compass where we learned to love others. Then we moved on with the very difficult task of learning to love our opponents. And the way we did that is by tending the wound, which lets us know that if we have an opponent, 
then there is a wound there somewhere. Either the opponent is wounded or they have wounded us and we must tend to that wound. We did that first by getting in touch with our rage, which gives us a lot of information about the nature of that wound. And then we had to learn to listen, or we are practicing learning how to listen, even to the voices that we'd rather not hear. Uh, because everyone has a story and everyone's part of the story is part of the whole. And from there, we were able to try and begin to learn how to reimagine the world, to reimagine a world in which everyone's needs get met. The third part of the compass is to learn to love ourselves. And that began by breathing and recognizing that sometimes that breath gives us enough of a breather or a break to sort of reorient ourselves and to rest a little bit and how important that is. Breathe and push are uh, inextricably linked um, and with the metaphor of giving birth to a new world, uh, which is the metaphor that Valerie uses for uh, revolutionary love, breathing and pushing go exactly together. First, we must take a deep breath, and then we must push toward what it is that is wanting to be born. And then today, the ninth core principle, we get to transition. So all that breathing, all that pushing brings us to the transition point, which is crossing a threshold, which is why I called this service crossing the threshold. And you know, it's so interesting to me too, you know, here we are in the ninth month and we've gone through each one of these nine core principles. Here we are in September. Part of me wonders, what am I gonna do in October, November, December this year? Although I kind of have an idea about what that's gonna be. Uh, but uh, it's also so interesting to me how each one of these principles really aligned with the seasonal changes as we've gone through. It's, it's just extraordinary. And here we are uh, about to approach Mabin, entering, crossing the threshold and entering into the dark half of the wheel as we are exploring transition. So let's delve into that a little more deeply. Thank you, Mari. We can uh, say goodbye to that compass. So here we are with the principle of transition and we're gonna put up the, the words to We Are Sewing and we are going to sing that chant. This is a beautiful chant that Oriel Lighten wrote for us to use this year and we have sung it at every service. Many of you already know it, um, but you'll probably catch on pretty easily if you don't. We'll sing it twice through, so jump in when you get it. Make sure you stayed muted and here we go. We are grow so sorry, I'm gonna start again. We are sowing. Where am I going? I'm singing the wrong words. We are sowing, we are growing, we bestow love. We are sowing, we are growing, we bestow love. We are sowing, we are growing, we bestow love. We are part of the solution, so we love, so I love. And we stir the revolution, so we love, so I love. We are sowing, we are growing, we bestow love. We are sowing, we are growing, we bestow love. We are sowing, we are growing, we bestow love. We see mothers, we see brothers, so we love, so I love. And I tend myself and others, so we love, so I love. They are takers and heartbreakers, still we love, so I love. Dare to wonder what lies under, so we love, so I love. We are sowing, we are growing, we bestow love. We are sowing, we are growing, we bestow love. We are sowing, we are growing, we bestow love. 
We are part of the solution, so we love, so I love, and we stir the revolution, so we love, so I love. We are sowing, we are growing, we bestow love. We are sowing, we are growing, we bestow love. We are sowing, we are growing, we bestow love. We see mothers, we see brothers, so we love, so I love. And I tend myself and others, so we love, so I love. They are takers and heartbreakers, so we love, so I love. There to wonder what lies under, so we love, so I love. We are sowing, we are growing, we bestow love. We are sowing, we are growing, we bestow love. We are sowing, we are growing, we bestow love. Such a beautiful chant, Oriel Lighton. Thank you so much for writing that for us. I love that we bestow love. You know, it just puts us in the power position and it reminds us that we have love to bestow, right? We're all, all of us looking for love and we often forget that we also have to bestow that love. Just so beautiful. So the principle of transition. It is, again, as I said, just perfect with the season because the equinoxes transition us to the dark and then to the light half of the wheel. The autumnal equinox, we go into the dark half of the wheel. Now, all of the Sabbaths are thresholds one way or another, either into the season or to the peak of the season. Um, but this one somehow seems significant, just as the spring equinox does, because of the polarity that it holds to darkness and to light. And so uh, when we go into the dark, this is the time of deeper reflection. Uh, this is the time when we go into those deeper mysteries. In nature, this is a time when we are gathering the harvest and we are preparing for the times of fallow ahead. It's a beautiful, beautiful time. Of course, I love the season, so I can just wax beautiful about the season no matter what. Valerie uses, Valerie Court uses the uh, metaphor of giving birth, and that's because this work really came to the surface in her as she was giving birth to her first son, her first child. And so the transition part of actually giving birth, when a mother is giving birth to her child, she's laboring to give birth, the transition is the point when the mother progresses from seven to 10 centimeters when the cervix progresses from seven to 10 centimeters, often in less than an hour. So boom, 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 here we go. And the word transition in this instance means that the body is making the shift from simply opening and widening the surface to the descent of the baby down through the birth canal. And there is no stopping it now. When you go to transition, it is actively happening. So something that has already been happening, like the season, now we can say is coming to fruition, right? Whatever it is that's on its way is coming to fruition. And that can be something miraculous and wonderful, like a woman actually giving birth to a child. But it can also be something not so wonderful, like an act of violence, uh, because the tension of unrest becomes untenable and it needs release. And so this happens when we get to the I can't moment. And Valerie tells the story when she's teaching this work and particularly of transition, where she's lying on the birthing table and apparently she had a very long and difficult labor and she goes into transition and she's exhausted and her mother is with her and she looks up at her mother and she says, I can't, I can't do this, I can't, right? And she defines that as her I can't moment. Now her mother is there with her and her mother is, you know, petting her head and she is saying over and over, uh, the hot winds cannot touch you. The hot winds cannot touch you, which is part of the prayers in the Sikh tradition. 
And then Valerie kind of looks beyond her mother and she sees in her mind's eye her grandmother standing behind her mother and her grandmother standing behind her. And so she becomes to realize that she's not in this alone and that her ancestors are there with her. And they've done it because she wouldn't be here if they hadn't done it. And so somehow this gives her strength to know if they can do it, I can do it. And my ancestors are here and in a way they're kind of cheering me on. And her mother, and she hears the ancestors keep whispering, you are brave, you are brave, you are brave. And so this is the way that she gets through that transition. And of course, she gives birth to her son. Valerie says that the transition of birth is uh, such, and I quote, a useful metaphor for the times in which we live. It's a breathless time a dangerous time, yet it is precisely now when we begin to see glimpses of the society and the world that wants to be born. So it is just a magnificent metaphor. And um, clearly, I have felt so because I've been yapping about it all year long. So this is the definition that she gives for the word transition, not necessarily about birthing, but for revolutionary love. And she tells us that this principle is both a noun and a verb. And so as a noun, transition is the fiery process that is required to move from one reality to another. Now, the element of fire is many things, as we know. It is warmth, and it is light, and it is passion, and it is spirit, and it is romantic, and it is also dangerous, and it is painful. We've all been burned, and it's painful. So this noun packs a huge punch to it. Fire is wonderful, but she does say that it is the fiery process. It is an alchemical process. The element fire is a fire of transformation. Nothing that goes through the fire comes out the same. So that's some noun right there. Poo, wow, that's packed. As a verb, she says, transition is to summon the courage to stay in the labors of love and justice for ourselves and for others, even when we want to give up. Summoning our courage means we bring our consciousness forward toward what it feels like to be brave, to maintain our presence under duress. So that's where we have to bring our mind. I've been through difficult things before. We have to remember other times when we have been brave. Say, oh, I can be brave again, even during duress, especially during duress. And then the last part of that sentence is, even when we want to give up. My goodness, there's like six more services on that little prepositional phrase right there. <gasps> even when we want to give up, how do we stay with it? Even when we want to give up, when it's painful, when it's fiery, when it's difficult, that's transition. And yet we must stay present. We must find our courage and stay present. We do this by remembering to breathe. Right? We always like hold our breath, we're bracing for impact, but we must remember oxygen is not only going to give us a bit of a break, it's going to bring oxygen to our brain so we can keep our consciousness focused on the ways that we need it to, and then it's going to help us push later. It also helps us to remember the greater goal. When we're in pain and we're focused on the pain that we are feeling, of course, we're focused on the pain that we are feeling, and we sometimes can remember, why am I going through this pain? What is this transition about? All oh, right, there's a world that wants to be born, a world of peace and justice and love that I want to participate in, and I must go through a transition in order to be a powerful participant in that world to come. Oh yeah, I got to remember that. Because when I'm in the pain, all I want to do is get out of pain. But if I remember why I'm in that pain and push toward it, to push through it, I will get there. So um, the one thing that she also says that is very important, and I've said this every time, I'm going to say it every time, revolutionary love is practiced in community. Not any one of us, no one of us is required to do everything all the time, 
all at once, right? Not everyone is able to respond in the same way in any given moment. So we have to each trust ourselves to know when and how to take the actions that we can. Now, if we're getting to an I can't moment, it's easy for us to convince ourselves that we can't, and so we're not going to. And there are times when that I can't does mean that we withdraw. But the transition is to work through the I can't to get to the other side. Now, one way or another, we are all going to go through transitions in life. That's just the nature of life. Perhaps this I can't is not the one that we go for, you know. Uh, maybe somebody else is better suited to pushing through this particular transition. Maybe it's time for me to do deeper listening while that person pushes through the, you know. Maybe it's time for me to remind them, breathe, you know. So not any one of us or, or none of us are going to be able to do all of it all the time. And that's why there are so many principles, because so many things are needed. And that's why it's practiced in community, because the more of us that are working this revolutionary love, um, the better chance we have of getting all of those principles in action and active to create the world that wants to be born. It's just so beautiful. And it reminds us that we're not in this alone. And we are not in this alone. This is how we build trust in our community, by showing up the best we can in any given moment to show up. That's the way that we build trust. If we give our word, we honor our word. If we say we're going to show up, we show up. If we can't honor our word or we can't show up, we let the person know who's expecting us. And this way we remain trustworthy. And that's how we build trust in community so that when we get to the hard times, we know we can rely on each other. It's a beautiful model. It's just a beautiful model. So at the autumn, the September service every year, as many of you know who've been following Gaia's Temple, some of you for 22 years, goddess bless you, I tell the story of the ancient Greek myth of Demeter and Persephone. And this is the time when Persephone descends into the underworld and she is there and becomes queen and takes Hades as her lover, becomes queen of the underworld where she matures and helps the souls of the dead uh, come to terms with where they are and what is happening. And uh, then in the spring, she returns to the surface to be with her mother. And when she first disappears and her mother Demeter does not know where she has gone, Demeter pretty much goes out of her mind with despair and fear and rage. And so she decides to call a strike and so that nothing will grow on the earth because Demeter is the great grain mother. And so it is only when Persephone returns that the earth begins to green again. And so in one way, we can look at this as sort of the creation story that explains the changing of the seasons. But over the years, of, uh, as I have told this story, we have delved into all the different aspects of this story, or many of them, I'm sure there's even more, and all the different characters that play out in this story um, uh, as different archetypes and aspects of ourselves. And it's such a rich tale, I never get tired of it. However, this year I'm not going to tell that tale, <laughs> but I am going to refer to it. So if you have never heard my uh, rendition of the Demeter Persephone myth, then you can go to our archives on the podcast. You can go back to services on the YouTube because last year I told a different story about it. I told a future tripping story about it, but you can go back and you can uh, hear my rendition of the story but many of you have already heard it. And so I want to bring our attention to the I can't moments that happen along that story also to see how it actually pushes the action forward. So for example, Persephone summons her bravery and her courage to walk across a field of fiery embers. There is that fire, right? Following love to her destiny. So, okay, following love to our destiny sounds awesome, right? But we have to sometimes walk through a field of burning embers, which is dangerous and can be painful. And we must find our courage in order to do it. Now she can do it, or it's easier for her to do it, because grandmother Hecate is there, an elder 
offering presence and wisdom in the moment of transition. So this also brings up how important it is to have elders in our society and to honor elders in our society and to make sure they are cared for and present for all the I can't moments of all the moments, um, but particularly in the I can't moments, we look to the wise elders to say, how can I do this? What do I need to know? And they can support us because they are aged and they are elders and they have experience. Also, when Persephone is down in the underworld after about six moons and she hears her mother's cry, finally makes its way down through the layers of the earth and learns that Demeter has made the land fallow and everyone is starving. She can't imagine leaving Hades. She can't imagine leaving her love. That is her I can't moment. I can't leave him. I love him. He's my, my love. I can't leave here. I'm queen here. They need me. And yet, uh-oh, they need me up there too. That's her I can't moment. But she does leave him. She does leave Hades. Again, with the help of the wise crone Hecate, she finds a way for all needs to be met. So she pushes through her I can't moment and her transition back up to the surface of the earth pretty much saves the world, right? Because now we'll have food and life will continue. And then six months later, she'll return again. So she has some I can't moments in this story and yet she finds her courage, she finds support and help from community and elders and she pushes through that transition. In the classic telling of this tale, Demeter calls a strike out of her outrage and her despair, and nothing will grow, and that causes a great famine. Her, her I can't moment is accompanied by a great act of powerful withholding. Oh, really? You don't want to tell me where my daughter is? You don't want to, to help me out here and find my daughter? No problem. Nothing will grow. Let me know how you do. So her I can't moment is a huge transition and her powerful I can't is to withdraw, to withdraw her powers. When she goes on the search for her daughter, uh, she collapses at the well and Balbo and her community take care of her so that she can go on. So that is also another I can't moment. Demeter has been searching for her daughter forever and forever and forever, and she finally cannot take another step, and she collapses at the well. And it is when she hits that difficult place where she can't go on any longer that a transition occurs, and that's the beginning of the shift in another part of the story. So we all hit these I can't moments. And Hades also in the classic tale. Now Hades was the brother, all right, there's the three brothers. There's Zeus, the almighty God who gets the upper world and all of his powers. And Poseidon gets all the oceans and the seas. And what does Hades get? He gets the underworld of death and, and shadow and loneliness and mourning and no oh, grief. Great, hey, thanks, right? That's what Hades gets. And he finds himself lonely down there. And this can explain, when we look at the classic telling of this, uh, why he bursts forth on the scene, right? And simply takes what he wants with no regard to who it affects. Because we see that's what happens when there is a need that goes on for long, long, long time and it is not met. It can sometimes erupt in violence or we get so crazed to get our, need met, our needs met that we don't really care who it affects or how it affects them. And we just burst on the scene and take what we want. So we can see that violence and we can see it in our culture and our society today. These, these young men who are opening up fire and, and just shooting people, right? That, that's not random. That's not coming out of nowhere. There is a deep need inside of them that is not being met. And it needs to be met in order for that to be healed. In the revision of this tale, Hades must transition, he must have a transition also, um, back to acceptance of the painful loneliness that he is going to feel when she leaves again. 
And so that is his I can't moment. I can't let her go. I can't say goodbye to my love. And yet he does. He transitions through and she leaves. So we, all of us, have had those I can't moments. And Valerie tells us that when we reach an I can't, we know we are in transition. Something has got to give. Something is coming through that can't be stopped and or reversed, and it is going to change the future. So it can be like Valerie's experience giving birth to a child. That child comes into the world, we become an actual mother, and that's it forever. We will never go back to not being a mother after we give birth to a child. It can be like uh, when we feel like we can't keep going with what we have been doing. That can be the I can't. We have those I can't moments like, what am I doing? I can't keep doing this anymore. And that can be like, I can't stay in this relationship anymore. I can't stay in this job anymore. Or I can't, this habit is unhealthy and I'm my own demise here. I can't keep doing this. We have all had those I can't moments. And when we finally get there and we say, I can't continue, that is a transition. That is a threshold moment where we go from one reality to another and things are different thereafter. Now, if we do that consciously, all the better. Then we can choose or we can try to choose and we can certainly choose how we're going to respond to that transition and hopefully direct where we're going thereafter. So I'm gonna ask you now, if you would, to close your eyes and go within. And let's take a nice deep breath together once more. And then reestablish your connection to your grounding cord deep in the earth. And if you came in after we uh, grounded ourselves at the beginning of the service, go ahead and do that now and find your roots in the earth and feel yourself become grounded. Good, and then bring your attention to your third eye up in the center of your forehead. Imagine it like an actual eye, like your other two. Go ahead and open it up and look out through it into your imagination and find yourself sitting in your favorite place in nature at twilight as autumn begins to peak. The air is crisp and cool but you're wearing whatever it is that you need to to keep you warm and comfortable. The light is golden as only autumn light can be. And so just take a moment now to look around and notice all of the seasonal beauty of nature that is all around you. Orient yourself to this place. And it feels good to be sitting out here in this season of transition. It feels good to be aware of it, aware of how you are about to enter the dark half of the wheel at the coming equinox. And it puts you in mind of transitions and transitions in general and some of the important transitions in your own life. And so now I'll ask you to bring one of them, one such transition to mind one that was precipitated by an I can't moment in your own life. Now, it could be one that happened very long ago. It could be happened, you know, something that just happened recently. I'm sure you've had many along the way, but just choose one for the sake of this. And if you would, make it one that was seminal for you, like an I can't moment that was significant in your life. Bring to mind now what the I can't was. What was that all about? What was it that you found you couldn't do or be or participate in any longer? What was that I can't moment that brought about significant change? Bring that specific one to mind now. Good, and now think about how that transition changed the trajectory of your life. 
It sounds very dramatic, but those seminal moments, they do. They change where our life goes, where our lives go thereafter. How did your I can't moment of transition transition you into something else? What transpired there that made such a distinct difference in your life thereafter? Now, from this vantage point, you know, typical 2020 hindsight, looking back, it's easier to see the results of that transition. But if you focus on the moments leading up to that transition and the moment of the transition itself, you will likely remember the challenge of it, how difficult it was. Even if you knew it was the right thing to do, the best thing for yourself, the necessary thing, it likely was painful too. Because all transitions happen when we must leave something behind. Sometimes that's a person or people. Sometimes that's a situation that we might have loved at one point. Sometimes that's the dream or an illusion of what we had hoped something would be. So even though we knew it was time to move on, there might have been, and most likely was, something painful associated with that. So take a moment now and consider how you made that transition anyway, even with the pain, that somehow you found the strength to let something go so that you can move on to something new. Take a moment now and consider how you made that transition. In doing this, we recognize that we were able to push through whatever was painful because we made that transition anyway. So take a moment now and give yourself a little metaphoric pat on the back. Acknowledge yourself for how you made this significant transition, regardless of how difficult it might have been. Now sitting here in nature at twilight, at the threshold of the autumn equinox, you find that this contemplation has somehow prepared you for the dark half of this wheel. It has reminded you of your strength and fortitude, the strength and fortitude you have to meet any transition that might be coming into your future. Life holds one guarantee and that's change. And change requires that we transition from one thing to another, from one place to another, from one station in life to another. And we find these transitions at the thresholds of life, seasonal or otherwise. Now you feel more prepared because you remember how you have done it before. So take a deep breath now to integrate this knowing. And then gently bring yourself back here to Gaia's temple. So the way of transition, simply put, is painful. Pushing toward the pain is the only way through it. Now, there might be time where we feel we can't and we withdraw from the pain, which means we're not going to be making that transition. But if we get to the point where it's painful and we're there, we might as well push through it to get through the other side and not prolong that pain. Because on the other side of that pain is the possibility of new life new worlds, new forms of transition, new forms of liberation. 
beautiful things happen once we push past through to the other side of transition. We learn how strong we really are. We gain confidence that we were able to endure what we didn't think we could. Uh, we feel invincible and that feels good. We model for others that it is possible. We garner the experience that starts to make us those wise elders that will help others who need us. The thing to keep in mind also about transition is that even if we do not know ahead of time what the result of the transition will be, we most likely will still be making them. We can know that change is inevitable without knowing exactly what it is changing to or changing into. And that's, that's sometimes even more painful. That's psychologically painful, right? Because we want to know. We want to know everything. We want to have a plan. We want to know exactly what's going to be happening next. We want to fulfill the plan step by step. And sometimes we just know, I can't do this anymore. I don't know what I'm going to be doing, but I know it can't be this. Um, pushing through that transition. That requires a bravery and a presence of a different kind. And sometimes that can be no less painful but still beautiful, still necessary, and still a point of power. And spiritual growth, good stuff. So sometimes we might not know exactly what it is we are changing into or what's going to happen after the transition, but we do know that we are going through it. So Mari's going to put up the slide with some lyrics to a song we have sung in Gaia's Temple over the years, time and time again, called We Are Going. And I'm just going to start singing it. We'll sing it through a couple of times. Uh, when you catch on, sing along with me. And it goes like this. We are going. Heaven knows where we are going. We know within. We will get there. Heaven knows how we will get there. We know we will. It may be hard, I know. And the road may be muddy and rough. But we'll get there. Heaven knows how we will get there. We know we will. We are going, heaven knows where we are going, we know within, we will get there, heaven knows how we will get there, we know we will, it may be hard, I know, and the road may be muddy and rough, but we'll get there. Heaven knows how we will get there. We know we will. Such a beautiful song. It's a good one. That's a good song to have in your pocket. <clears throat> Excuse me. What I like so much about Valerie's teaching of this principle is how to cope with transition because transition is intense. One way or another, it is intense. And once transition begins, there is no stopping it. It's like we can't unknow it. We can't unsee it. We can't unfeel it. It's happening. So these are the things that she recommends that we stay very mindful of in order to cope through transition. The first is to look to the wise voice within us, the one who can quiet the critic. You know the critic. You can't do this. You're not strong enough. You're too stupid. You're not this enough. You're not that enough. You're failing. Oh my God, that voice, that critic in there. Though there's a wiser voice in there who can quiet that critic and recognize that that critic is really operating out of fear. And so, you know, that's okay. You can be afraid, but, but what you're saying is not true. You know, let's just, let's just keep the fear down a little bit, right? It, it, it's not going to be the first and foremost voice that we hear, and we're not going to believe it 100%. So we have to find that voice within that can quiet the critic 
and then lead with wisdom and love because the voice within that leads with wisdom and love says, you can do it. You're brave. Yeah. It may be hard, I know, and the road may be muddy and rough, but you'll get there. I know you'll get there. We know within. The other is to keep looking to the horizon to glimpse the goal. Oh yeah, right. I'm going through this because I want peace on earth. Right, I'm having this difficult moment right now listening to somebody that I don't want to listen to because I want justice. Right, I, I can't keep doing this anymore because it's harming me and I have to be strong to be a force for good in the world. So every once in a while, especially in the transition when it's difficult, look to the horizon and say, oh yeah, that's my goal. That's why I'm doing this. Okay, breathe and push, right? Those are those three steps on the third part of that compass. The others to remember, our ancestors are with us all the time. We are not alone in this. It begins with those who came before us. They're watching over us. They are blessing us and they are providing spiritual support. So this is where we call out to our ancestors, help me, help me, and we will feel it through the ethers. And of course, that our roots are in community. And so we're not only not in this alone because we've got our ancestors, but we're not in this alone because we're in this community. We're in a community of people who are practicing revolutionary love. We are in communities and families and friends and groups who love us and want to support us. And we have this idea so often that, you know, we're supposed to like be in it alone and we can't ask for help and we shouldn't ask for support and that makes us weak and all that stuff that's just a load of hooey. When we lean on our community, when someone asks you for help, doesn't it feel good? Oh my goodness, they trusted me enough to ask them for help. Doesn't it feel good to know, yeah, I can be there for you. I'll be your cheerleader or, or yes, I'll walk your dog while you go do whatever it is that you have to do, right? That is the trustworthiness in community. It's practiced in community. We are not in this alone. So the wise voice within who can quiet the critic that wants to tear us apart and lead with love and wisdom, knowing that our ancestors are here, that we are in, are in community and remembering to keep our eye on the goal. All of these are required for successful transitions. So again, we want to keep in mind that the nine core teachings of revolutionary love overlap. And as we practice them in any given moment when we find they are needed and necessary, we are orienting to life. It becomes a different way to orient to life, a way that begins personally, and then it affects our culture and our societies. The wisdom inside us will tell us when it's time to do each core principle on the compass. And some of those will be easier than others, at first anyway, until we practice them. Valerie says that this is the secret. I love secrets. When we are laboring with revolutionary love, she says, and I quote, the love, actually this is not a quote, this is what I wrote, but this is what I wrote based on what she said. When we are laboring with revolutionary love, the love that reminds us to look at one another and think, you are the part of me I don't yet know. The love that seeks to reorder the world where even our oppressors' needs are met. The love that asks us to stay curious and to keep wondering, to know that our grief is the price of our love, to honor our rage, but not to act out of it, to fight for what we want, not against what we don't, to listen deeply, even to the voices that we'd rather not hear, to reimagine and reorder the world that wants to be born, a world of justice and peace, where even the needs of our oppressors are met. That's a hard one to wrap around. Then we must breathe, and then we must push, and we must lean into the pain so that we can let joy in. I know that sounds a little crazy, 
right? Because all of those sound difficult and challenging. Where is joy in that? But the joy comes in and being able to do it. There's a joyfulness in that. And then she says, this is the secret. Then, laboring for a just world with joy and with love is the meaning of life. Laboring for a just world with love and joy is the meaning of life. And that's what makes it revolutionary. You know, when I read that, oh, that's the meaning of life, I thought, that's a kind of bold statement to make. This is the meaning of life, people. I'm the one. I have the answer. This is the meaning of life. But the more I thought about it, I thought, you know what? She's not wrong. Laboring for a just world with love and joy is the meaning of life. Or at least it gives life meaning. It gives life beautiful meaning. So at the autumn equinox, we will cross the threshold into the dark half of the wheel of the year, a more reflective time, a time when the veil grows thinner and our ancestral connection becomes even more palpable. We cross this threshold into these deeper mysteries now. The reaper's sickle at the harvest in season reminds us of the wisdom of death. We recognize that when we stand in those I can't moments, death seems to be coming for us. But really, that is transition. And we remember that when we feel like we can't, when we feel like we can't go on, it's because we are in transition. We're not dying. We're in transition. We don't always know what we will find once we cross that threshold. But one way or another, my friends, we are going to cross it. So may we cross that threshold with love in our hearts, honoring our labor in service to transition for a greater world. May we cross that threshold breathing in between the pushes. May we remember to keep glimpsing what is on the horizon and may that keep us brave. May we feel our ancestors at our back the strength of loving community around us. And may we access the wise voice within. May revolutionary love help us in the labor of transition and bring a harvest of nourishing bounty, so much so that there is enough to share. Blessed be.